sisters, we podcast. Wow. Okay. There it uh, is. <laughs> all right. So just, I have a multiple choice for this. Let me do another take. <clears throat> that was A. Okay. I put a podcast on you. That was take two. That right, you're not gonna two. finish the line. No, that's the I didn't one have I have it written down. That's the one I thought you were gonna go with. Like I, I thought you were just gonna sing the song. I mean, if I have time, by the time we're done editing this episode, I will do the whole song. I will literally <laughs> change an entire set of lyrics to be podcast. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Take three. Uh, take three. Yes, it's all just a bunch of podcasts. Castus. I wow. Okay, I really had that's no like, clue what you're gonna go with there. That's like, that's like if you're skateboarding toward a rail and you're like, I'm gonna grind it. I'm gonna grind it. You get on it, but then you panic and bail and just no. break your elbows. Yeah, yeah. You you did not follow through like midway. Uh, or this is a participation one. So can you just say what took thee so long, brother? What took thee so long, brother? Oh, I'm sorry, sister. I'd wait 300 years for a virgin to light a podcast. That is such a good line from that film. What a, that's like the last line of the movie. It is, and it's golden. <laughs> if there is anything that sums up the experience of watching this movie, it is knowing that it ends with the line, I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle. Right. <laughs> Welcome to the Disney desk spooktacular. Ugh. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And we are doing a very special double feature in this episode. Um, one that really lined up perfectly with our podcast, if I do say so. Yes, we are talking about Hocus Pocus in honor of Hocus Pocus 2, which will be coming out on Disney Plus later this week. Right. This is how ahead of the game we are. We are recording our episode on Hocus Pocus and... We will come back with our thoughts on Hocus Pocus 2 in the very same episode. Right, the yeah. editing. We really want to be able to compare one against the other, mostly because Carter's actually, until recently, hadn't seen Hocus Pocus before, which yes. I have to tell them, I like couldn't believe this because he has a cat named Banks like after the movie. And, and granted, I understand that your sister named your cat and it wasn't yes. you, However, like, you'd think at some point you'd figure out what that reference is, right? No, I, okay, okay, okay. I knew relatively soon what the reference was. Within a month of owning Little Binks, she was originally named Cinder because she's, like, a calico black and orange cat. And then Isabel changed it to Binks when she was a baby um, because my sister didn't get to name any of the pets otherwise. Um... Yes, so then I found out that it was a reference to a black cat in a movie called Hocus Pocus. That is one of those movies that I sort of learned, bit, much like Eloise in New York or whatever. Eloise at um, Christmas time, yeah. Yes. I learned bits and pieces of because it was just always on the main TV when my sister was home. And I wouldn't watch it, but I would get to see snippets. So, yes, I knew there was a movie called Hocus Pocus that was about witches or something. Yeah, that, I mean... It is about witches or something. So this kind of worked perfectly because Sydney was pretty on. We have to do a Hocus Pocus 2 episode for Halloween, for like our Halloween season. 100%. And then 
we realized, oh, this would be a great opportunity because I can experience the entire thing just as the second one is coming out. Exactly. I can get a sense of what really is kind of a phenomenon for our generation. Our generation, and like I've learned it over time, they freaking love this movie. This is like a favorite for millennials. It's, it is absolutely perfect. And we're going to talk about why. And, and there are so many reasons why. But I mean, yeah, I can speak for, from personal experience. This is a film that I absolutely love and happily watch all year long. Yes. That is kind of what I wanted to open with, honestly. I wanted to know what your experience with the movie is and why you, would, why you wanted me to see it so much. It's just, well, because I couldn't, like, I couldn't believe that you hadn't seen it for, you know, I assume that, like, all millennials had seen it because Disney Channel used to play it so much. But then I do remember that you didn't really watch, like, a lot of Disney Channel when we were, like, right. kid kids in that age. But it's just got, it's captured this, like, perfect, like, grittiness and, and grunginess of the 90s. It's like, it's like the 90s in a bottle, almost. Mm. And I feel like sometimes films from the 90s, like, translate well through time and it's not that this doesn't translate but but i mean to say that like it still feels like fresh 90s like it it's it it feels completely saturated in that sort of like that that essence and um that is why it is so important because i i feel like that's just up your alley as well as mine you know like it's it's got that that sort of like dirtiness i almost want to call it like i don't know what else to call it but it's filled with, like, mystic and, you know, I, I have a whole list of, of, like, reasons that this film is great <laughs> that we can get into. I did know this film through reputation. I quickly discovered as we were watching it, I'd inadvertently culturally absorbed a lot of it. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, I worked, I think I've mentioned this before, I worked at the New York Renaissance Fair, and we had a group of witch characters, and I realized so much of their affect came from this movie. Mm. How they moved, how they talked, how they, like, reacted in general, I realize is coming from this movie, which makes sense because it was right dab in the middle of our generation. This is a reference point for witches for a lot Absolutely. of Absolutely. This is, like, age. the defining, like, this is, this is just our only reference point for witches at all. Like, I mean, this right. is how we define what a witch really is. <laughs> and I think, like, through that framing kind of helped make sense of this movie for me mm. um like what it, the only other reference i can think of is like scooby-doo and the witch's ghost where like the hex sisters the hex that's another iconic yeah is the only other thing around this era that had like witchcraft and, and then like i guess harry potter but now we kind of well, all want to not associate with harry potter. right i mean we we get a lot of mixed messaging in the wizard of oz about like what a witch is yes Apparently, they're more just pixies. It feels like they're more right. pixies or, like, goblins. Right. Um, yes. And I will say, that grunginess is the thing that comes really first in the frame. Um, yeah. So I literally watched this movie yesterday. So my takes right. are fresh. Are fresh. As, like, I finished the movie this morning. Right. Um, which I will say, I understand why this movie really took off on television. Like, mm. this is very much, like... Like, a lot of holiday films, both Halloween and Christmas, like, they weren't box office hits. What happened was a studio could afford to buy the rights to them, put it on TV a lot, and then everyone's like, oh, this is good. And it fits, like, the TV model where you can just kind of step out and come back in for your favorite moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, 
like at any given time you can turn it on and come into a moment and be like oh i'm having a good time and then i'm enjoying this yeah yes. i mean like you know before we dive too much into like the film i really wanted to get out of the way like some of the basic facts about this film because yes, they really right. add to a lot of its appeal first of all this film comes out it's 1993 right <laughs> and boy can you tell right. um yeah. It's directed by Kenny Ortega, who is the director of the High School Musical films, one, two, and three. Um, yes. I love, and, and Descendants, which you let me, I, I forgot that he is still, like, working with Disney yes. Channel he quite is, a bit. He's the House of Mouses, like, he's basically their Mr. Fix-It, like, we yeah. need this done soon, I'm on the case. Right, he's a go-to guy. Um, he's a go-to guy for, like, sort of extravagant, like, world-building like this that feels really, like, grounded and realistic, but, like, cool costumes. Mm. And and a little bit of song and dance splattered in there. Um, our, our main cast, the Sanderson sisters, we have Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathleen and Jimmy. Yes. And, like, and also a very notable cameo from Gary and Penny Marshall, so which is wild which is insane and it's like you know in in our episode about craig of the creek i talk about like disney's shtick of being like we're the film that we're the we're the channel that you put on and you can watch it like with mom and dad and grandma and your kids and everybody can watch this together and enjoy it and they like perfected the art of like creating this content that that does like genuinely have something for everyone in your family like they somehow achieve like they well not somehow like this is how because they know cast i mean think about the the halloween town films with like debbie reynolds in them like right they get, they get these people that legends. mean nothing for your kids but for adults they're like wow this is exciting um, um yeah and like i was gonna say immediately the minute the sisters come onto the screen and i guess we can talk about this now because it also starts the film like the film starts in salem 1693 everyone's favorite uh historic time and place we were talking sydney you've never been to salem i have not i've been a few times it really is a cute town um the historic stuff is cool but also it's just like i like that it also has a lot of modern stuff too like it has a wonderful little community theater it has a lot of cool museums um the shops are cool great pizza like a fun place to hang out but mm. Anyway, the minute these people come on screen, I'm like, ah, I almost immediately got this, I feel right. like, or at least got why people would defend this movie, because yeah. Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy uh, Najimy, like, honestly, some of the best chemistry I've ever seen in, like, a family film. Absolutely. you're just immediately buy into these three as, like, a slapstick, Three Stooges-esque comedic trio. right. It almost feels like I'm. I kept thinking, like, did they write lines for them, or did they just kind of right. say, "Go what? Here's right. the framework of this scene. This kinda is do your character. You want. Like, what are they doing? You tell us. Yeah. Yes. No. Here like, are your that's... archetypes. Right. Yeah. Have at it. Um, they, you know, I was gonna mention this later, but like, I think a huge appeal for this of this film, at least for me, is that like. You know, it's called Hocus Pocus, and, and the line does get mentioned in the film, but it's like, this this film somehow taps into that part of your childhood, be like being a kid and like celebrating Halloween, where it's like, you just might believe in this stuff. And right. like, this somehow captures that essence of like, walking the line 
of of maintaining your reality. You think you're a lot more grown up than you probably are, but you might just believe in in the hocus pocus. You just might believe, and they do that by like grounding the sisters in the reality of of their world. Like they create like real magic. They show them being like. <laughs> What like did they show them being executed or like something like that? Like they yes yeah they show them in their world, like they 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 establish them up front as being very real, and then like you have to decide. Yes, they're just a part of this town. Like the beginning of the movie is them like whisking off a child, and someone immediately points to their house like, oh, we know who's behind this. Right. Yeah. And then. And- then they just show a hanging, and I'm like, man, they Whoop. really don't make them like this anymore, huh? No, 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 no. Yeah, you wouldn't see this anymore. This and, and Clayton, which we just got done talking about. Um, yes, but well, <clears throat> it's that magical element, because for some reason I started re-watching Wizard of Oz at the, around the same time as I started watching this, and it's so it's such like a lazy, hacky like film student point to talk about. Like, man, remember when they had real sets and real costumes, and the effects yeah. were practical, and like... It was, like, matte paintings. Like, you watch that first scene of Dorothy and Oz, and it's like, oh, these are clearly background paintings. There's so much, like, it's literally, like, a set this big with just a bunch of paintings. And at the same time, you're like, this is the most magical, incredible thing. Like, that is all what movie making is. Even that, like, craning zoom shot over Salem where you're looking at these, like, like basic patchwork houses where you're like, well, it's a little... This feels like a school play. Yeah. yeah, it feels like a school play, but that's what filmmaking is. It's putting on costumes and telling you, like, it's stagecraft. Right. right. It's a school play, but with a camera. Right, yeah. And it simultaneously makes it feel more magical and makes it feel, obviously, more real. But, yeah, it's like, right. oh, you can buy into this magic for 90 minutes of your life, and you're going to feel great about it. Right, yeah. And, you know, like, I, I like, this film, <laughs> I think it understands what kids find sort of eerie... Like, there's, it's a lot of fun, but there's sort of genuine spooks in it, and I feel like that is, like, it always sticks out in my mind. I, I always felt creeped out by the scene where they, like, go back to school at at night, and I feel like every right. every kid kind of, like, wonders, like, what, like, the, what the school, like, feels like in the dark, like, at, at night, like, you know, when nobody is there, and they do that bit with, like, the over, the, the PA system. Like, that oh, is, yes. that's creepy. But it's fun. Yeah. It's like it's this. It's scary fun, and that's yes. like why we love Halloween. <laughs> yes, and I think, and this capture it captures a really good energy for a sort of fun for the, all the family Halloween film. It, someone described it as goosebumps energy, where you're like, "Well, this is obviously very silly, but if this were actually happening to me, I'd be freaking the hell out." <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> yes, and. Like, in terms of that magic, I love how sort of, like, fast and loose it plays with the rules. Like, mm. you know, we're told, uh, and, like, I, a part of me is like, well, we gotta go through the plot, but at the same time, I'm like, no. our gen- it's Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Like, and honestly, it's not a very plotty movie. It's kind of a vibey movie. Not really. It's, the short version is, uh, kid moved to town, wants to impress girl, goes, takes him and his sister to the old, like, Salem witch house. It said that if you light this candle on this day, and you're they'll a come back to life. Yeah, and you're a virgin, which they, boy, That's howdy, they so really zunk on this kid. What a wild joke in a ch- <laughs> like, You would not be allowed to get away with that no. anymore. Where just a running gag is, let's make fun of this 17-year-old for never having sex. Right. Look at this <laughs> dork. <laughs> let's push him down the stairs. Let's spit on him. Oh, my gosh. Let's fart in his sneakers. Right. Exactly. Let's steal his sneakers. 
Right. <laughs> oh um, my gosh. But, but that's like, that's such 90s energy. Like that. Right. Like the film is like, bullying its main character. Yeah, it bullies its main character. It's weirdly raunchy. There's a whole bit it where his raunchy, younger yeah. sister just talks about, because he's like interested in this other girl and he's like, his younger sister is like, he keeps talking about your yaboombas. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, calls what, one, something like what that. the fuck is that word? <laughs> Two, oh my God. Right. I I love the bit where, like, they talk to that police officer who's, like, just in a costume, and he, like, genuinely, yes. like, tells them, like, yeah, it'll be, just go home, like, whatever. And he's, like, yeah. just a creep in a costume. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, they actually <laughs> thought I was a cop. What a great show. Yeah, it, it is that, it's almost a Nickelodeon energy. It, yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, no, Nickelodeon just is the only one who kept doing it after the 90s. This was an right. energy for all of kids' media for a while. Exactly. Um, yeah, and I, it, it is such a wild tone to, like, like I said, this is a vibe movie where basically the overarching plot is, like, the sisters come back to life, they need to suck the life out of all these children so they can live forever, right. and these kids are running away with their Book of the Damned, or spell book, with the help of Binks, the immortal cat who's basically been there from ground, day zero, right. like, guarding, <laughs> trying to make sure these witches don't come back, and... And, and speaking to that magic, I like how kind of fast and loose the rules of this magic are, where it, we establish, like, oh, they have to do this before sunlight. Oh, if we hide in the cemetery, they can't get us because they're not allowed to touch the ground in the cemetery. Mm. Oh, they can summon zombies. Oh. Right. I, there's just a zombie in this. Like, a bunch of slapstick right. with a zombie. Oh or even gosh. just, like, or even just, like, the silly magical realism of sort of like the big iconic moment of this movie is they find their parents at like an adult my brain Halloween wanted to say it's a, it feels like a swingers party it's got it's given a real lurid vibe maybe it's, it's just, all the virgin talk but it, it feels like people are swapping and their keys. mom their mom is dressed like madonna and it is like yeah it's kind of raunchy like but um no they just go to this like grown-up halloween party that's just a bunch of like adults without their kids and these kids like show up and anyway and yeah, parents are like, they're oh, like, oh, what are you guys, doing here? The Sanderson sisters are alive. They're right there. And, and everyone's like, the Sanderson, Yeah, everyone's like, oh, cool costumes. And they yeah, immediately roll awesome. with it and do a show-stopping musical number. Right. And put a put a literal spell on everyone listening. Yeah. That they have to keep dancing so the parents can't intervene to their this death. time. Yeah, pretty much. And, and again, it's like, what an insane thing to be in a movie, but at the same time, it makes a hundred percent sense with the energy we've been going with so far. Right, exactly. Oh <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I really want to touch on like our hopes, our dreams, <laughs> our thoughts about what this sequel could possibly look like. And I mean, you know, honestly, like because I love this film so much, I really want to approach this sequel positively. But, like, I, you know, maybe it's the pessimist in me that is, like, I don't know that I have, like, the highest of hopes for it. Just because, at this point, like, how many, like, I mean... How many nostalgia remakes have we done? Have we done? Hocus Pocus is damn near 30 years old. And so, like, you don't just, like, bring in a sequel 30 years in the future. Like, no, 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 no. Like, but... I'm just afraid that this movie is just going to be a film of all callbacks, which is what these nostalgia films end up being. I will say, I was a little worried. The only clip I've seen, I tried to go in really cold for both of these, but the one clip I've seen is them kind of redoing the broom bit. 
There's a joke in the first movie where they lose their brooms, so they go into the janitor's closet and pull out, like, modern broom. Yeah, and a vacuum cleaner, and that's, like, the poster. They redo that, but with Roombas, and I'm, like, a little bit, like, hmm, this is gonna be the whole movie. Yeah, I'm really worried. Like, you know, I don't want this to feel like a cash grab. But I, in the past, like, you know, like these them, these things don't have a stellar track record for, like, being anything but cash-grabby. It's, the only thing that makes me feel better is the very last one of these we got was Top Gun 2. And everyone's like, oh, this is great. So I'm like, okay, this can work, but why right. does it work? And I think, my hope is that it's a genuine interest. Because, like we said, the first one didn't make that much money. It right. became successful way after the fact. Right. So it had to be more passion and recognizing a fan base for them to actually want to do it. Like, Batman, n- neither of these three really need money. They've all been successful yeah. in their careers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just, like, you know, it works when you create something with, like, you take characters that, that people love and you create, not, like, just, like, hey, remember when we said that line? Hey. Looking at you, Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> like... Yeah. Remember when I said this line? Remember when we said this line and it was funny? Like, that's all these reboots end up being. It's just like, oh, remember these things you already love? Like, no, we want to see these characters go on another adventure. Right. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm curious about. Like, what is there left for them to do? I feel like we kind of got the perfect story with these weird witches. Yeah. Like, where it's like, oh, they got a plan. They got a scheme. They're going to bumble their way through it. They're going to, like, have a lot of fish out of water bits, and, mm-hmm. and then they're going to get their comeuppance at the end because they're witches. Like, right. what is the next step to that? Yeah. I don't know. I hope that I am pleasantly surprised. I hope I hope that I love this film. I, I really want to love it. Yeah. For me, I just hope it keeps the energy because that's why True. I think... Because I think my final review of, or like, my main takeaway from this first movie is I understand why critics didn't like it at the time, mm-hmm. but I also emphatically get why this is so many people's shit. Like, I yeah. get why people are all in on this thing. Right. Like, I get why this is the exact kind of movie people of our generation like. Yeah, I would agree. Like, it's not about plot, it's about vibe. Like... This isn't, like, a cinema sinsy. we have to, like, think through every logic loophole and have this perfectly meticulated building. It's like, no, 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 no. We're just, we're grooving. Like, right. we have these characters we like. We're just going to keep throwing them into wacky situations. We set up their objective. Like, let's go on the journey. Yeah, we have a beginning and an end. Let's just yeah. do whatever the hell we feel like for the next, like, for 70 minutes. Right. Hell, it's never even, like... Like, literally, it looks... There's a moment where it looks like the film is done where they, like, lure them into the school and set them on fire with, an like, a kiln. Right. And it just doesn't work. And they never explain that because, like, well, no, we just want to keep the party going. They're immortal. Right. It's We're fine. We're not done. The spell hasn't broken yet. We're not done yeah. yet. Yeah. We We're literally only 15 minutes removed from a show-stopping musical number. Exactly, yeah. We're just getting like, we warmed up. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even gotten to the vacuum cleaner yet. Come on. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. If it can get that tone, and, like, again, I like this movie because it's like, man, they don't make them like that anymore. But what if we could? What if we could yeah, why can't have at least we? a little bit of that energy? Yeah, there's no reason we can't. Right. And that's that's kind of why I've been hopeful. Like, that is something I wanted to come out of these streaming wars. Like, mm. sort of these more... Like, you don't really get movies like this anymore where it's like, a studio has this script, 
Like some guy was, somebody sat down and was really passionate about this idea, wrote it out, and the studio's like, eh, this doesn't 100% work, but, you know, we really want to work with this actor and this actor. Let's, let's see what we, we can take a flyer on this. Like maybe right. it'll suck, maybe it'll be good, who knows? And like I was hoping that Disney, like the rise of Netflix and Disney Plus would bring that back because it's like, yeah, we have room for like B grade, not like big blockbuster things right now where it can be a little gnarlier, it can be a little loosier and goosier. It can be a little more like freewheeling. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah, this this film is just a proper romp. Like that's as best as we can call it, with like really well established characters. <laughs> yes. And like I was gonna say, I absolutely love and I I I think wait, who's your favorite witch? Oh, um is her name Sarah? Or am I well yes. Sarah Jessica Parker. Is her name Sarah? Yes. Yes. Why have I, I never that noticed that until today? <laughs> She's everybody's. She she might be everybody's favorite. I mean, like, cause she's just got the perfect like whimsy. She's she's the sister that feels the most youthful, and for some reason, mm-hmm. but like, even though we don't really know their ages, but like, I mean, they're hundreds of years old. But if you were gonna distill this movie into like a juice, it would it would basically just be Sarah Jessica Parker's character. Right, like, pretty much. Someone gave her the Hocus Pocus juice, and that's why she acts the way she does. Yeah, like for sure. Random, sort of rambly and off the wall, mm-hmm. weirdly horny all the time. Like, yeah. Like, all the, all the time. Right. Like, in a way where you're like, is this uncomfortable? No, okay? it's actually kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. you're right. <laughs> like, that, bonk, bonk, bonk. Right. Um, yeah. But I also like her in general. Um, Me too. I'm a big Kathleen and Jimmy fan, just because, mm-hmm. you know, King of the Hill and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. It's weird. And it's weird that we didn't reference Bette Midler, because she is also, like, I. she's so freaking good in this, too. Like, Oh, she's I perfect. Love, I love how, like... If you had told me that we, we casted this film and then wrote it, I'd believe it. Oh, yeah. I it, it shocks me that this was a script first, then cast. Right. Where it wasn't like, we have these actors, we want to put in a project together, right. write it out. Because the energy is so perfect. I love, like, I just love her energy of being like, oh, I'm slightly smarter than these two buffoons. Right. So obviously I'm an evil genius. Exactly. <laughs> and I also love, like, I don't know, I love how loosey-goosey this movie is with them, their, like, culture shock, where they're like, oh... Here's the, oh, no, it's a black river. Oh, hopefully it's not too deep, and it's a road. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> I the love weird, that, that they, they need children but are simultaneously, like, like terrified of them. Vaulted by them. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, I get that energy. They believe that Gary Marshall fair. is the devil, and they, like, worship him. <laughs> yes. And I love, but then at the same time, like, when it gets to the song and dance number, like, they get called out in public, and Bet had or Winfred has enough like self awareness to quickly put the gears in her head that they right. know this is a they think this is a costume. So I'm going to play along, and go on up onto the stage and do a whole song and dance and number yeah. with a chorus like a backing chorus of my sisters. Yeah, my sisters know the choreography. Like we've rehearsed this, okay? <laughs> yes. But then at the same time, she gets duped by a car light thinking it's the sun again. Right, exactly. I, like, I love that. And that's because cause she's, like, just a good enough schemer to think she's better than she actually is. Right. <laughs> um, oh, it's so perfect. Yes. Um, are there any other things you wanted to go over in your notes? 
No, I mean, like, we kind of came full circle on it. I'm I'm really excited to see the yeah. film. I Just talking about it, I just want to watch Hocus Pocus right now, honestly. Yes, and that, I think, is the... If I was going to sell someone on this movie, it would be that is the perfect movie to have on at your Halloween party because... Mm-hmm. You know, you're all drinking, you're all having a good time, you're all, like, doing whatever. But there are going to be five or six times where you all just go dead silent and look at the TV. Because you're like, oh, yep. that moment's about to come up. Right, exactly. Um, I also, um, hold on. There is a line, there is a line from Roger Ebert's review, because he famously trashed the movie, that I kind of think is perfect. <laughs> because it's an insult. Mm-hmm. But it's also why this film works so well. Right. But watching this movie is like attending a party you weren't invited to and where you don't really know anyone. And they're all in on the joke but won't explain it to you. And I'm like, yes, but our entire generation is in on the joke. This is our joke. Like, that's it, yeah. That is the absolute perfect. Like, that's something that should be on the DVD. Right? Like, (laughs) Roger... If you didn't like this movie, why did you think this was a dig? Art, yeah. <laughs> like, um, come on. No, that is, yeah, that's the absolute, that's, that's a perfect way to describe the film. Yeah, they will not yes. let you in. <laughs> yeah. And that's why you we, have, yeah, that is why we love it. We are all in on the joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am, like, I'm so happy that I ended up liking this. Um, Me too, like, yeah. The way you've sold it. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to like this. But it get like the fact that I'm genuinely excited for to see what the second one is going to be means that this right. experiment worked. Right. And and I was kind of worried. Sometimes like when you think something is awesome, like you're like, wait, is it really awesome or have I just been in love with it since I was like 10? Right. Like there there is a difference. <laughs> Which is the embodiment of most like holiday sort of like themed movies. Right. I'm just glad it worked out on this one. Right, exactly. Ah, so when we check back in, we will have seen Hocus Pocus 2, and we will be ready to report. Yes, um, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, it'll be the future, and Hocus Pocus 2 will be something we've all watched. Oh, God, why is everything up your podcast listeners salem we're back yes the podcast the podcast the podcast is back we watched a movie and we're gonna chat yes the podcast the podcast the podcast is back stone cold opinions as a matter of fact all right don't (laughs) even miss barkley do not even you got on my case for not editing doing more of the song last time you cannot then turn around and give me judgmental looks for doing a chunk of the song i'm not it's just like just because (laughs) okay i don't know what i can say i think it speaks for itself i think whatever you just did (laughs) it yeah it 
it, I my arts inherently speaks for itself. I, I don't, don't need to, have you know, I don't need to talk about my artistic intent. It's very evident. No. I, I know artists who use subtlety, and every single one of them is a coward. Yeah. That's... Um, <laughs> and we're back. Uh, we, uh, Carter again here. And this is Sydney. We, a few days ago, watched Hocus Pocus 2. We live in a world where Hocus Pocus has a sequel. That's right. Yeah, we are living in a post-Hocus Pocus 2 world. <laughs> and um, we've got some thoughts. We we definitely have a lot of thoughts. We we decidedly watched the first one and the second one like within days of each yes. other. So... So, and then I actually went yet last night and like rewatched the first one again. So I've certainly got some thoughts to add about, um, too. Hopefully if you're still listening to this one, um, oh man, our listeners have had to hear two of your intros in a row. Well, no, no. The second one, it was just announcing we're back from the ad break. Or the pause, depending on what we end up doing. Yeah, but they had to listen to you, like, sing twice. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You know why I didn't want to do the song for this one? Why I originally did the, sisters, let's fly. Because I'm not Bette Midler. And the more I'm forced to sing in relation to this movie, the more that's going to become self-evident. You say that as if, like, the singing is an idea of somebody, like, other than yours. (laughs) Like, you... (laughs) Why did you sing, then? (laughs) Um, you know, just cause. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> after I started doing like song intros for things, I discovered blank check the podcast and they basically do the same bit where they'll change lines and add the word podcast. And I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, everyone's going to think I stole it from them. Yeah. Well, they'll have this as a reference. <laughs> yes. Hocus Pocus 2 came out on September 30th. Hocus Pocus it, it is directed by Ann Fletcher of Step Up, 27 Dresses, and The Proposal Fame. Um, wow, she's actually, she's mainly a choreographer. She's done a lot of choreography. That's really interesting. That's, um, I guess that's something her and the original Hocus Pocus director have in common, because Kenny Ortega is known primarily as a choreographer. I won't say primarily, but but yeah, he's like worked with Michael Jackson and hence his work mm-hmm. on on High School Musical. Yeah, he he's a choreographer by trade. But you know, I guess that that makes a lot of sense actually because like part of the whole Sanders sisters persona and presence is this very dancey like phys- there's so much physicality in everything that they do and I thought I felt that, that this movie really takes advantage of that well. Yes. Um, yeah, it's interesting you brought that up. They're vi- in terms of, like, mannerisms and performance, they're very movement-based. Like, at times, I made the joke, I'm like, did they write lines for this, or did they just have, they're just like, we have to fill ten minutes of screen time right now. Can you, like, just sort of mumble? Right, um, and yeah. Do your bit? Um, and I mean that in, like, a positive way, because it works. Right. I realize, like, like, the way I'm wording it sounds a little weird, but... Um, I imagine in the second one, like, these characters are so grounded, these these women really know each other and, and their parts, like, really well, that, that I, I, I assume there's a lot more imp- improvisation in this film than in okay. the first one. Well, I was going to say, on top of, like, I was going to say, it almost feels more like an improv group or an acting class where they're, like, really teaching motion. They're, like, move around like this. 
then move around like that. And it's that, but ready for showtime. Right. Mm-hmm. Where do we... That's the first time we're doing a double header episode, and I'm kind of like trying to think of where we start. Well, I made... I have notes here, and I pretty much broke it down into like two main categories of what I felt really worked well and what mm-hmm. what doesn't work. So we can start with, with the positive. We can start with what we felt really worked about this film. Well, I'll say first, it kind of has the reverse problem of Hocus Pocus 1. We didn't really describe the plot of the first one because it's very light on plot. It's more just a premise and a setup with mm-hmm. a finale. Whereas this one is a shocking amount of plot, but still very episodic. But we can get uh, into yeah. that when we talk about negatives. Um, right, right. As we're talking, I guess, like, I feel like we should just lay down our cards right now. Do you like this film? Well, you know, I said, (laughs) um, it's funny because, like, I saw this film with, like, you and I have had this conversation in the past of, like, um, like, the way that you and I watch films is different than the way that, like, most people do. And I watched the film with a bunch of of my girlfriends who, like, watch a film and they're like, I liked it, or I didn't like it, and that's all they have to say about it, which is, like, I find that to be an art in and of itself. Like, I I almost wish that I could, like, turn off what what I know now, and and my, so... Where you know how this got made. Right, I know how this got made, and and how you analyze it. How I feel about it, yeah. I've got, like, an opinion about everything. I th- I think that's fun, but but anyway, I say all this to say it can be that like, exhausting, but it is fun. It is fun. Yeah, you're right. But it's like that. This this all influences my opinion of this film. In that, if I if I turn off most of my brain, I would say I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but if I'm just being me, um, I don't like. I would find myself fast forwarding certain parts of it, but. <laughs> I liked moments. This had moments that I enjoyed, for sure. I don't think it was bad by any means. I think it's fine. I think it's I think it's fine. I'm I feel satisfied with with where we leave the sisters. I I feel satisfied with what the story does with them. I feel satisfied with this being it. And I yeah. feel like I feel satisfied with this as a as a remake or a sequel after a I beloved saw- film. Yeah. I would say I think it's fine too, but I, I think my tone of voice would be more positive than yours. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and I think it's also colored because basically I watched these films back to back for the, I was experiencing the entire spectrum of mm. the Sanderson sisters for the first time, all at the same time. And I think that helps me sort of, well, one, I see, I feel like it helps me, like, the things that I picked up on in the first movie where I'm like, this is a really good film to just kind of have on and tuning in and out and like coming into the moments you love and then letting the sort of transitionary parts sort of not paying as close attention to a lot of the transition in the glue. I'd argue that still works here. Like, again, there are so many individual moments that I've literally just gone back and rewatched like two or three times. Yeah. Like, this is a fun little sequence. I really right. like what they did here. I want to see this I would agree. Again. Yeah. One thing, one thing I don't know if you'll agree with is I really love how this film looks. That's interesting. I, um, I simultaneously agree and disagree. I, I, 
I mean, like, my thesis of this, of Hocus Pocus 2 here is, like, give me more Sanderson sisters, please. Like, my positive is is everything where I'm seeing the sisters on screen and the negatives are the times when I'm not seeing them on screen. Like, that's what I want here. Um, I felt, I said this to you, I, I described... I described the film as looking like and feeling like a JCPenney back to school ad. And it has like the parts that, that take place in the present day around these teenagers feels very like vanilla and kind of like boring to me. I don't know. I actually, and maybe that has more to do with like modern what, what fashion or, or just like the way people look now. It doesn't have the sort of authenticity that I felt like 1993 had, but... Well, I would argue, aesthetically, this film weirdly reminds me a lot of the good scenes in Oz the Great and Powerful. Like, when it works, it is using modern technology and modern effects and, like, a big... a big Well, bigger. This is a Disney Plus vehicle, so it's not... You know, they didn't break the bank. But, mm-hmm. like, to basically recreate old film techniques... Like, particularly, like, the Forbidden Woods that we go into, where a lot of, like, the main conflict takes place, um, it's like, oh, this is, you know, this is a very expensive-looking soundstage. Like, literally, the background looks like a matte painting. Like, they're probably, like, in volume or something, and they're, instead of having it be photorealistic, they're doing this matte painting thing. Like, most of the Sanderson sisters' powers still look like that old 90s grungy, like, you know, we drew this on the frame energy. Um, right. I love how many scenes are just, like... I, I Like, I love so many scenes. They're just, like, more smoke, more smoke. Really make those spotlights shine. Like, <laughs> I, it, like it's... Like, there's this one scene where they're just driving a trolley, um, and, like, there's just a light in the background that looks so bright. I'm like, what is that light supposed to be? And it doesn't matter, because it creates atmos and mood. Um, right. I will say the camera does get a little flatter. Like, again, if nothing else, this is another great vehicle for the Sanderson sisters because when they're on screen, the camera, they just have so much more fun with the camera. Like, right. there's all these, like, tilted angles and weird movements. And, I like, agree, yeah. The camera work they, is really nice. Yes, like, and they do lots of really fun shots where they play around with light and aesthetic. Like, the scene where they appear for the first time, oh. like, we literally have entire sections where the, it's just black. It's all I black. I love there's that moment. Lens. Or it's just silhouettes. Yeah, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, all the choreography, like, this is clearly made by a choreographer. Like, all, oh, yeah. anytime someone's doing, like, a dancey move, it's shot really well. Right. Um, like, even just something as little as, like, the number of extras there are even feels like, man, they really don't make that in- make them like this anymore. I will agree that it does have a very, like, classic rom-com-y sense of groundedness. Yeah, like... Even the palette, it's like, it's colorful but muted in a way that I find visually pleasing. It's weird I also describe the film as mumblecore because yes. <laughs> weird, aesthetically it kind of reminds me of that Slenderman movie that came out a few years ago. I did not that, see that. That was very gray and muted and everyone was kind of mumbly, Joe. Yeah, that's like, I, I mean, we were talking about this mumblecore phenomenon, but like, I think that's how screenwriters think gen z speaks to one another um or at least what gen z thinks is funny i do agree with that i agree with that a little bit and it's also like 
like I when you write a screenplay, you just forget how humans talk, and that go to yeah. example is this like you know fast paced sort of sticky talk where it's like no one speaks like this. No, not even a little bit. Like we kind of speak like that, but we add a lot of like likes and ums and huhs and yeah, it's like not just constant like oh funny reference, funny reference, funny reference that are I think that's the conversation, mm-hmm. and it's like nobody. Like, you rarely, do, when you're speaking to somebody, do they have, like, an immediate, they're already saying something. Quick And it's like, yeah. that's probably just, like, bad directing or, like, I mean, I would even call that bad acting. Those are actors that aren't listening to each other. But, um... Uh, yes. Yes and no, because I guess, it, like, I don't know. It works if everyone commits. And at least in this movie, I feel like people largely commit. I would agree with that, yeah. Um, also, um, while we're talking about sort of comparing it to the previous film one little thing i really like is the nostalgia bait it's tough to say because this is a nostalgia remake this is right much like ghostbusters afterlife this is like oh everything's happened in real time and like people know the legend of what happened before and we're introduced to a character who owns basically the sanderson house like has turned it into like a kitschy um like a kitschy magic shop spirituality shop yeah yes uh gilbert sam richardson um Mm -hmm. and he's like i was there i saw it and that i was like "Mm, we're getting too close to like ghostbusters force awakens territory here a little too reverent but then like the references and like callbacks are weirdly minimal i would agree they're very subtle they're just the i mean like they kind of play the classics but not not they don't like pound them in to the ground they don't don't like all of the old characters to come back right they don't like even in like the little things that the sisters say like that that like their funniest lines from the first film they find ways to kind of slip them in there or reference them without them being like uh uh remember that joke yeah like that's what i hate right it's not like that bit where and i like force awakens i feel bad that i crap me too but yeah. that bit where, like, the chessboard on the Millennium Falcon just inexplicably turns on, and it's like, what? Who? what is this for? Who is? What is this joke for? Other mm-hmm. than, like, this is a thing. Clap, you animals. Right. <laughs> um, like, honestly, most of the... Re- like, especially because I was just like, oh, thank God they don't bring Binks back. Because they have a black cat around the store, and I'm like, this is going to turn out to be Binks, isn't it? And it, no, it's just a cat. And he I'm just like... just has a pet, Yeah. Yeah, you don't you don't undermine the emotional integrity of the first film by like having all these people who have no right. stake in the plot anymore come back. Right. Just the presence of a black cat like is enough of uh yeah. it's just the it, right amount of, of of reference back there. Well, I just I wanted to and I mean like we should we should we include like a spoiler warning in this? Um, you know what? Yeah, let's say from here on out you got our like overall opinions if right you don't want to have anything like literally don't want any of the plot spoiled uh stop listening and watch it right. before you listen to the rest of this yeah so with that said um i actually really enjoyed um the opening sequence seeing the sisters as children mm-hmm. and i think that works really well i think the actors that they had in there are really charming did a really great job oh yeah um that it's a very funny sequence, um, but it's. I think it 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 is a very good way of, of explaining them as people. Um, right. 
and how they came into this this magic and um you know it's like a it's, a, it's there's two sides to this coin because like there are some certain negatives not about like this scene in and of itself but what this scene like then means for the rest of the film what it represents it sort of it sort of muddies things for me and I'll and I'll just say this of like this this opening sequence like sort of asks us to sympathize with with characters that like we're sometimes supposed to see as the villain. I think the mm. first film also does this. I mean the first film villainizes them a little more but just makes them extremely mm. likable as 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 an yeah. on-screen presence. But this one it's we have a lot of reasons to like justify them being becoming witches and being who they are and and doing what they do like the only thing i can count against them is their desire to like eat children that's literally the only thing and maybe it's a big thing but (laughs) but otherwise i feel like i'm in a tug of war throughout this film of like well i still like feel like they're justified in what they want to do yeah it's it is interesting because i feel like when we talked we talked a lot about they don't make them like that anymore and one thing that I think has really changed is, for some reason, studios are very afraid to commit to making villains the main characters. Like, mm-hmm. at least in terms of family entertainment. Like, mm-hmm. I keep thinking about, like, this Black Adam movie that's coming out, and they keep being like, is he a hero? Is he a villain? Is he anti-hero? And I'm like, just let him be a villain. Just let the... Ra- like, Black Adam's a villain. Let him do evil stuff, and let right. that be the core of the film. And maybe he turns does something good at the end to help people, but he's still a villain. And I think this film is a good example, because you're right. Like, in the first movie, they're objectively villains. They're just really fun villains, so we right. root for them to at least right. not explode at the end. Right. Whereas this... And this, like... I do like the scene. I think it's cool. I, I Like, tonally and aesthetically, it's on point. The kid yeah. who they got to play Winnie, like, that Phenomenal. kid just nailed it. Like, right. in mm-hmm. terms of getting the mannerisms down. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, yeah, you you feel the gears turning to sort of retcon the sisters a little bit. And maybe that is just like us really pausing and reflecting as a society about like sort of, well, in general, I guess people are more cool on witchcraft and like the arcane and also like us really grappling with the fact that the Salem witch trial was like basically a bunch of political assassinations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, the people they killed were very pointedly people who were causing problems. Right. And it was really convenient that, oh, they're all in tune with Satan. Right, Um, yeah, duh. Like, this scene sets up the ending in a way that's very sad. Like, I very much like the ending, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but the Mm -hmm. ending of this film is uber satisfying to me. It ends in just the right place for the Sanderson sisters, and I don't think that works as well if you don't have this scene setting everything up. Right, I would absolutely agree. It It wouldn't work at all, and... I was just going to say, like, you know, I what really surprised me, I wasn't expecting this film to force me to think too hard about the world versus women and, and like, why someone is even considered a witch. And this opening yeah. scene really makes me feel like, oh, magic might just be neutral. Like, witchcraft might just be neutral, neither good nor bad. And it's just, like, driven by whatever the person yes. wielding it. And I yeah, I really like that. They play into that because we establish that the book it's not just like alive, it's sentient. It has ideas, it has opinions. Yeah. The crux of the plot is 
like when he is deciding to launch the nukes and use the most powerful spell in the book and the book is like no we can't do this this is dangerous like this will have horrible repercussions and i wish there was more time spent on that idea because yeah i like that idea of magic's neutral i think i've talked about it with thor's hammer where i'm like I like the idea that magical items just kind of have a brain of their own. Yeah. And, like, the reason why Cap couldn't pick it up at first or, like, why none of the other Avengers can, because it's like, well, you don't need me right now. If mm. one of you needs me, I'll let you, like, use me. Right. Yeah, like, that's stuff really like that interesting. Cool. Because, like, you know, in this in this opening scene when, when they're setting the house on fire, mm-hmm. and it's like, that doesn't feel evil at all. That feels right. correct. Yeah. <laughs> it fe- yeah, it feels like kids... Like, you know, doing what's right. right in a way that's destructive. Right, <laughs> yeah. And it's like... And it's tricky because it's like, on one hand, I'm like, does this betray the original characters now that we see them as more sympathetic? Right. On the other hand, the only reason this movie's getting made is because we love these characters. Right. And why not let us root for them more? Right, exactly. It's a tricky line to balance. I'm also sort of, you know, really questioning, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, these are just three women that want to look younger, which I think Hollywood uh, has informed a lot of, of opinions about, about right. women and, and that desire to look younger. That's like, that is, I think, I think we all forget, including both of these films, that that is like the objective. Like, that's what all of this is for. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it really does feel like less we're draining children's souls to live forever and more just like, so we look like we're in our thirties for the rest of our lives. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that adds to my idea of like, Oh, magic is just neutral. Witchcraft is, mm-hmm. is a neutral thing that like can just be justified in, in any way for any person. But right. Right. Um, yeah. And like, I do think we should stress, like, even if we don't love this film, we love everything with the Sanderson sisters. I th- we do. Yes. Like, again, if making another film was a way to get these incredibly talented actors who, you know, have continued to have success in their own little pockets. Right. Like, you know, Bette Midler's back on Broadway. Right. Sarah Jessica Parker is, you know, Carrie Bradshaw. It's again. her. Yeah. yeah. And she's just Kathleen and Jimmy. Kathleen and Jimmy is, like, a legend in, in her circles of voice acting. And, and like, so, like, she, Kathleen and Jimmy... Like, just has these iconic roles. Like, her career is just filled with these really iconic roles. Uh, and yet, like, this was this one moment where they harmonized perfectly together, and yet it didn't get appreciated at the time. If this no. is a way to get us to go back and appreciate them more, then right. I think they nail it. Um, yeah. Another positive, I'd say, is when they played the hits, compared to other nostalgia sort of remakes or returns, mm-hmm. I think... I think they do a really good job of actually making, like, playing the hits work. Like, yeah. For example, like, the, oh, we're bewildered by modern times jokes. Like, right. Like, I was like, how much can we get away with this? Um, like, one of the big scenes is to basically try and neutralize the Sanderson sisters, the main girls, like, who are the main characters technically, um, bring them to a Walgreens, and they're like, oh, these are beautification products. Like, these have children's yeah. souls in them. And it works because it's like, oh, this is a new spin. This is a new idea. Right. And I like that it continues that hazy area of like, how in the know are they? Because they know to pose for a photo. I, yeah. And I think that's just supposed to be like a cheeky wink at us. 
Like, that there is, that they, like, just understand selfies. They don't understand automatic doors. They don't understand surveillance cameras. But, like, oh, selfie? Say no more. Right. Or when they get pulled up on stage for a costume contest, they can immediately intuit what is going on, and then they can be pissed off when they lose. Right. And if I, but I think that that's, like, that's always what's been amazing about the the Sanderson sisters, especially in the, in the first film, why that works so well is that they just have choreography ready. (laughs) Right. They always have a plan. (laughs) Even yeah, if it's a bumbling, really, chaotic, dumb plan. They really do. I think it really grounds that whole th- we've been doing this for 300 years thing. Right. Because, <laughs> like, um, they're just extremely well rehearsed. <laughs> yes. I mean, like, the minute, the minute they reappear, like we were saying, the opening, right. the sequence where they are summoned inadvertently, one, it's just shot cool. Like, it's hazy and, like, the lights oh, are the flickering. silhouettes. Yeah. And then... Then Bette Midler just kicks them off on a song number. They have a song number prepared. Right. And it's one of the few times there's, like, a winky bit to the audience where, like, our two main girls are just like, what? what Who are what? they performing this to? Yes. And I'm like, normally that joke would make me so mad. But it's right. so funny because it... But here, for some reason, it works because I'm like... Because it's a good... Yeah, you know qu- it's, a, it's a valid question. <laughs> like, oh, is this just what witches are? They're just, like, they're just divas who have, like their numbers like pre-prepared yeah they have the track ready to go they're the like kid at karaoke who's like no no i don't want to sing i don't i don't want to sing e flat uh (laughs) please thank you yeah it's yeah it's the fairy godmother put it right get it bouncy um (laughs) and the sequence yeah and i think i texted you like the energy that the whole film I wish had was the sequence in the carnival where we're just doing bit after bit of like, they don't understand this thing or they kind of understand this thing. Cascading mm-hmm. and them losing a costume contest and then going, screw it, we're going to hypnotize all of you to help our evil deed. It's basically a repeat of the I put a spell on you scene. Right. And yet it feels fresh. Like they have it, it does. like a unique spin. They end yeah. up... Because they have to find the mayor of the town because they discover, of course, he's related to the reverend who cast them out of town in the first place. Duh. So that's where the revenge has got to go. And they do it through doing the Go-Go's one way or another. Right. And on one Excellent hand, I was choice. Like, what a, yeah. I'm like, this is wild that they're doing a cover song, that they know right. this song, and that they know how to, like, coordinate the town. But something about having the whole town doing this elaborate, like, song and dance number through town. Like, thriller-style... Yes. Uh, a zombie dance down the main street to the carnival. Like, if I was going to tell... Like, if someone was like, hey, do you have any advice on rebooting a franchise or bringing a franchise back after X amount of time? And I'm like, this. This is how you give the people what they want without just pandering. Because right. you made a new thing. And I guess, like, do we want to skip to the end real quick just to talk about, like, the finale for the Sanderson sisters? Yeah, we're, we're still on positives. <laughs> right, right. I, so the final moment is they actually succeed in casting this maximum, power maximus spell. Right. Which is set up at the beginning of the movie. Like, the witch who gives them their spell book is like, you, no, don't do that spell. It's too risky. Mm. And uh, Winnie realizes her two sisters are getting thanos And it turns out... It's one of those, like, oh, to have everything, you have to give up everything. Yeah, this and, is Vormir. Yes. It's the first time, like, it's the first time they've really humanized them in the sense of, like, no, right. they love each other. Oh, they, yeah. For as much as they fight and as much as they bicker, 
the line that really got me, where I actually kind of got a little weepy, yeah. is she's just like, my sisters, my infuriating, lovable sisters. Right. I think t- at times I got frustrated with this film because I felt like I was trying to have too much of a plot, too much of, like, a story. Mm-hmm. But the core theme they stick to of, like, sisterhood... Is, and, is what matters. Like, you yeah. don't have magic without them. Without the bonds you make, any amount of power is meaningless. Like, that just hit me. Mm. And a part of it is because Met Midler's a superstar, and it is one of those actors who exact, like, knows how to make this stuff sing, knows how to make these broad, campy bits work. Mm-hmm. It just hit me, you know? It, like, if this is the note we're leaving them on, where at the end of the day, they're always going to have each other, that's a great right. note. Right. And her choice to just, like, join them over right. having anything yeah. is really felt. And I do like that, where it's like, no, there is going to be a consequence for this. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just bring them back and keep living. Like, if right. you want them back, you have to go too. Is, right. Like, it's the ch- it's where the film had to end up. You know, you can't have the Sanderson sisters running around for the rest of their lives. Right. Even though, like, I imagine the temptation for that was so appealing, because, again, we love I'm these sure. characters, and you would love an excuse to have them just right. still on Earth, redeemed. For it's another like, no. 300 years, Yeah. Yeah, it's like, there's no going back. You have to pay this price. But if you love your sisters, that's what you got to do. Right, yeah. Um, and they sort of make all of that right with, like, this bonus music video at the end. Right. <laughs> sort of, it, it's like the perfect punctuation at the end of this of, like, oh, yay, yeah. we, feel, we, feel, we feel satisfied with where they are. Yeah, that is, yeah. I, I, like, again, enough of the people on this understood the assignment where it's like, yes, that is exactly how they have to end. It, mm-hmm. th- then I don't even mind the after-after credit scene that's like, wink, wink. There's an after-after credit scene? I meant to ask you before we start recording if you watched. No, I did not. I don't watch past... I haven't watched past the... the um, Like, when they sing, the witches are back. There's another scene? Oh my gosh. This is, this is a possible breaking news exclusive. Well, what's your, what's your opinion of it? Just well, I'll just say... Well, it's a little annoying that they're doing, like, a wink-wink, like, oh, you never know, maybe we can do this one more time if you like this enough. Okay. Um, I'm still like, yeah, but I love these characters, and this just affirmed why I love them. So I'm okay with that. And that's what the first movie did, anyway. Um, oh. Yeah, so I had I absolutely had no idea about that. But That's so funny. I will be watching and reporting back. <laughs> um, all right, what are some other positives we have? I... That pretty much sums up my my positives. Just give me more Sanderson sisters. Everything, every time they were on screen, I was happy. And every time they were off screen, I was like, bring them back. <laughs> yeah, Let me see which, them again. again, it's like, well, that's basically the first movie too, huh? You <laughs> a bit. think about it. Yeah, um, but I really enjoyed, like, and I mean, this is kind of spilling into the negative territory, but I mean, like, with the first film, like, I enjoyed the characters like Danny and, like, these, like... I didn't mind watching them do their thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I think we can get into, because for me, this is a bit of positive and negative. Yeah, for me, so like, we Dan- can start talking about negatives. Yeah. For me, Danny and the gang, like, I think they succeeded because they're just broad enough. Like, they have emotional beats that you resonate with, where it's like, oh, we got to save a sister. I mm-hmm. have, you know, I know people who have sisters. That's right. important. It it and, immediately echoes, like, the opening scene of the film mm-hmm. back in, like, 16-whatever. Yeah, and, like, having that 
bit at the end where Binks finally gets reunited with his sister. Oh like, my gosh, that tears me that apart every off. time. Yeah, that also, like, again, these movies get weirdly teary at the end. But right. <laughs> the problem with this movie is, and I understand, they're like, man, what if we gave, you know, what if we had all the Sanderson sisters' vignettes but had more of a plot, had more emotional resonance with our main characters? And... I think I said, all of it works on paper, but in execution, it just undermines what we want. Right, I'd agree. A a critical point I always get on with people is this idea of story versus plot. Like, the story is everything in the universe, the themes, the ideas, the world. Like, if I just sat down and explained to you what this thing is about, and if you explained to me the plot, the story of Hocus Pocus 2, I'm like, yeah, I like all these ideas. I like all these, pl- like, storylines. I think all of this is interesting and emotionally resonant. The problem is the plot, which is, like, what how we experience it, doesn't work. Because it's so, it's, it's just a little too much. So we have the Sanderson sister plot. Like, them right. doing their goofy stuff, centered around getting this power, and then realizing their sisterhood is their power. And then we have the main characters who are basically this version's Danny. Um, Becca, Izzy, and, and Cassie. Cassie. I just They're find like, them... Can I just say, like, I just find these... You know why I, I don't like these girls and I like the original characters is because, like, you had, like, a little bit of diversity with having this, like, little girl, teenage boy, teenage girl. Mm-hmm. And this is just, like, three copies of the same teenage girl. And I find them so deeply boring. I really do. Like, again, I like the idea in theory where it's like you pair their, like, sisterhood to the Sanderson sisters. Mm -hmm. And the idea is one of them's kind of estranged because she's, like, has a boyfriend now. Had a boyfriend. And she's popular and whatnot. Whereas the other two are kind of the weirdos who are into witchcraft and stuff. Again, all of that sings in, like, on paper. That's an interesting idea to pair against like these three agents of chaos the problem is just like we can either have we can either have x amount of time doing fun sanderson sister stuff or we can have x amount of time developing these characters and fleshing out their personalities and letting them like be characters right and they choose the sanderson sister box more often than the other one which is objectively the probably the right choice i would agree but it becomes a problem when you still have to have a big chunk of the plot carried by these three right. characters who don't get developed enough. But mm-hmm. then also you have this extra, extra plot, which is basically like a buddy cop movie, like a, like a wacky sidekick movie where yeah, Gilbert, who is like, who runs the old Sanderson sister house as like a kitschy magic shop. He is secretly been trying to bring them back because he saw them as a kid, which, again, I'm just like, no, don't do that. Don't do the Paul Rudd from Ghostbusters thing. Yeah. Don't, like, we know we like this movie. You don't have to have a character who tells us why we should like the original movie. Right. Um, but he, basically, he just, they're going to kill him if he doesn't bring back the head of Billy Butcherson. And Billy Butcherson invert, like, it turns out, and this is actually the one, I do like this nostalgic callback of having Billy come back. I do, too. Just because I love the implication that the spell never ended. Right. He never was unzombified. He's just been yeah. sitting in a ditch for decades. 30 years, yeah. Just begging for death. <laughs> right. What a wild idea. Yeah. Um, and then they just go on a wacky side adventure. And again, if this was the only, like, 
if your only like extra plot on top of the Sanderson sisters was like you know this guy who grew up with all this lore experiencing it and learning to be a better person and learning like oh history's messier and more complicated than right we make it out to be and like you know because his little moment at the end is he's like oh i'll tell your story billy butcherson and i'll tell the truth about it and i'm like that's kind of a sweet moment too yeah i appreciate that it it also kind of reflects again the sanderson sisters are kind of evil like they're villains and you know they hurt people and billy butcherson it was like one of their first victims right yeah um but then we also have the whole plot with the mayor who is like related to the reverend and also just wants a fucking candy apple and that's his entire character arc right yeah i think first of all like just as a comedic presence i think he does a really stellar job but i don't know like maybe this is just me i was expecting him to like still be the reverend through some kind of witchcraft means right like like i don't know how like but like maybe the reverend does his own type of like magic i don't know even like but that's what i was even they like resummon his spirit and it possesses the body right yes something like that like that seems very possible in this universe and i feel like it was a big missed opportunity to have him just be like kind of a dingus yeah and again all of these ideas are good the problem is they just have to share like like the people who wrote and made this clearly understood give the people what they want give the people more sanderson sisters more fun antics and Mm -hmm. basically just do a new version of the original story but they wanted to build on that and make it a more fleshed out like full experience and like i think it's good that danny and that gang aren't the most complex characters right yeah because it distracts from what that original movie was it was a vehicle for these three great character actors yeah 100 percent. but you know i i mean in my notes like i'm looking at here the only other thing i mean i touched on this before like simultaneously sympathizing with them but also keep like holding them accountable for being villains Mm -hmm. i i do feel that i feel like that was particularly muddied in this film Yes. And that's like, I do, I agree with you that I think that's one of the things I think holds up this movie a little bit is just a pinch too much retconning. Even with Billy Butcherson, they retcon like, no, no, I didn't, like, I never dated Winifred. I kissed her once. And, and I'm like, sometimes less is more in terms of this stuff. Right. Like, like, I feel like we learned from the Star Wars prequels that when you sit and think of like, embellishment for 30 plus years your answers are usually going to end up wrong or at least not as good as what we can imagine in our heads and i do think this movie compared to some other nostalgia properties this is one of the better ones and again it's it helps that i just keep thinking of ghostbusters afterlife and just how paints all of the characters from that original film in such a bad light like, mm. to justify the last 30 years, they commit, like, basically commit cultural vandalism. And I don't even really like the first Ghostbusters that much. And I'm like, man, you really right. did all these characters dirty, didn't you? Right. <laughs> um, and this movie straddles a weird line where it does that a bit, but not enough that I it makes me angry. I see, yeah. All right. Yeah, and so the Ghostbusters people don't, and so the Ghostbusters people don't get mad. I also think it's kind of true with Force Awakens too, where I'm like, 
So Han Solo is wearing the same clothes he's worn for war when he Forever. was like in his thirties. That's right. really lame, bro. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of sad. Um, I've yeah. never thought about that, but yeah. <laughs> like this movie is kind of what I wanted after watching the first yeah. one, mm-hmm. in terms of like a sort of textured, like sort of mid-budget character romp. Again, a kind of movie that just doesn't get made, where it's like here is a vehicle for really good character actors. Give right. them a high concept and let them cut loose. And exactly. Like eighty percent of the film is that. The yeah. problem is that twenty percent that isn't is so like convoluted. Yeah. It's so load bearing. Like right. You knock this out, the entire thing crumbles. You yeah. decided to make this the thing that holds everything together, and I just don't think that was the right choice. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think you made a comment. You're like, man, I kind of wish Kenny Ortega directed this, and I'm like. Me I too. agree. Yeah, I do. Because, well, I said that. <laughs> yes. Um, because he, I think what he succeeds in is knowing what fat to cut and like oh, yeah. how to cut to the chase. Like high school, say what you want about the high school musical movies. They're like, let's not overthink this. Give the not people what they want. Absolutely. I don't even know how to describe it other than, yes, this is what happens when you give the Sanderson right. sisters a bigger budget and 30 years to think. Exactly. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I don't have much else. I guess my other note is I do I do feel like some of the edges were sanded off. And that felt inevitable because it's like a kid's movie in the 90s is very different from a kid's movie in the 20, well, I guess 2020s now. But mm-hmm. like the main thing is just like, again, and it was just me rewatching because I also rewatched the first one. I'm like, man, there was that whole bit about boobs. And the closest yeah. we get to that is... Um, the owner of the shop explaining, like, well, I can't light the candle. And then being like, why? And him just having a look like, I don't need to explain this. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, a little more of that energy. Especially because, again, it's a it's a movie about, like, a teenage coven of girl. Like, it's kind of a coming-of-age movie. Because the idea is, like, the main girl is turning 16 and her witch right. powers are manifesting. And I'm like, if anything, the sort of, like, weird sort of edgy humor from the first one would have benefited this plot Absolutely. more. Wait, this just reminded me of something else that confused me. I, like, in this film, the other two Sanderson sisters, like, also possess some kind of, like, power for the first time. Like, when they and cast they can, the spell. Yeah, and then they start so they get being laser able beams too. to get the laser beams, but I'm like, wait a minute, have they never had laser beams? This was something that I didn't ever think about before. Right? And because again, I that's a problem assume... with, like, nostalgia properties. It forces you to ask way more questions about the world than you should. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. So what can they do? Like, do they have powers at all? Like, they have to have something because they can fly, right? Yeah. Like, they're, like, they possess power, but, like, why do they not, why are they not as powerful as when, or is that just the point that, like, they can do magic, just not the way that Winnie can do it? I think it's a combination of things. I think it's, they can do magic, but they're not as powerful as Winnie, um, who's, like, has the book and knows how to do all that stuff. And also, I think the idea is they all have their signature move. As Wikipedia describes it, uh, Winnie's, uh, her signature magical ability is electrokinesis. Right, Uh, Mary can smell children. Yes, has the magical ability to track children and has an enhanced sense of smell, which is like, man, you really lost the lottery on that one, champ. Right, and Sarah is the siren that lures children to their demise. Yeah, yes, that's what it is, okay. She brainwashes children into getting on a boat and then crashing it into the closest rocks they can find. 100%, yes. (laughs) Yes, 
But yeah, that's... I guess it also just made me think, like, what would the perfect version of one of these things be? Not necessarily Hocus Pocus, but, like, how do you bring something this long after the fact back? Right. Is there a good answer? Is it just impossible because you're never going to be able to find the middle line between giving the people what they want and making something new? I'll be honest, I think this might be one of the best. And it's as many issues that... as I right as many issues as I have with it, I think this might be the best work at at bringing something back 30 years later. And I think it's telling. I mean, we haven't been that hard on it, but we have been pretty critical. Right. More critical yeah. than we usually want to be for these sorts of things. Right. And I think it's telling that this would still be the apex example of the art form. Yeah. Like, the only other... Like, in terms of perfect versions, my gut almost says Last Jedi. But A, there was mm. a movie before that that did right. the, like, nostalgia, give the mice the cheese. Right. And two, the internet had such a severe meltdown, it basically tanked Star Wars... Like, basically until now, because I guess people like Mandalorian and apparently Andor is good. Yeah. Um, I guess to sum it up, I'm really glad we did this. Like, this Me has too, been a big yeah. gap in my nostalgia, like, in sort of my, our generation's pop culture. And right, yeah. It is kind of exciting to discover something new and quickly understand why people are into it. People are, yeah. And if nothing else... The fact that this will get people to watch the... Like me, to watch the original. Because if they weren't making a second one, you probably wouldn't have suggested doing this episode. Yeah. No, absolutely not. I don't know. This, um... I recently saw an interview with the three, you know, main characters. Mm -hmm. With with Bette Miller and Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy and Jimmy. And they were talking about this, how, like, when they moved... When they moved the film to television, then they would play it, like once a month like they played on halloween and then they would play it like once a week and then it'd be playing like like she talked about the progression of it if it getting more and more and more and more airtime and then mm-hmm. how it sort of like snowballed into this like cult following um and so it just feels like a mainstay of of like television as i remember it like growing yeah. up around this time of year will this one have a similar legacy it's hard to say because its legacy is already defined by the original but at the same time right the fact that they put it straight on disney plus one i think is a good choice because this is the size of project that i want to see on disney plus again i would agree high concept big character actors right like good effects but embracing practicality yeah i would agree and because the legacy of the first one's already set like this is already going to be a hit. And that's kind of, I don't know. I guess at the end of the day, it is kind of nice to have, like, because I keep referencing Ghostbusters and Star Wars, but those were huge. They were huge before, like, they were always huge. Whereas this, it's like, oh, something that became a cult fixation is now going to get millions of eyes on the computer and the phone because the first one built that cachet. And that's kind of nice. Yeah. And I mean, like, our generation is old enough to like have children like and so many of us do and are showing it like to this even younger generation this is almost designed to be like a forever thing yeah and i guess at the end of the day the sanderson sisters won they get to be immortal they truly yeah they truly are immortal (laughs) you know what i really secretly wish for like i i would i would watch like a sanderson sisters short series 
of I would like love, I just want to see episodes of them romping. Honestly, like if there was ever going to be another version of the Beetlejuice cartoon where it's like take the grungy kind of gross villains from this fun fa- well younger skewing movie and give them a cartoon where they're the good guy. Mm-hmm. This is it. Like this is yeah. our generation's version of that. Right. And that, like and people would love that. Uh yeah. Right. Ah, something to dream about. Right. But oh, well. As we wait another 300 years for some virgin to light a candle, I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And we'll see you next time, sisters. <laughs> Thanks for listening. The Disney Desk is written, produced, and edited by Sydney Nicole Barkley and Carter Glace. Please follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk or send us an email at podcastdisneydesk at gmail.com. Want to support the magic? Use the link in the show notes to make a donation to the Disney Desk podcast. We would greatly appreciate it.